greeting, ladies. Good morning. I want to welcome everybody here in the sanctuary to, to our service this morning. also want to welcome all those listening on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us for worship this morning at First Church. Now to start our service, would you please rise for our call to worship? This morning it is taken from Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and on the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and with princes of his people. He settles a childless woman in her name as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Please remain standing for opening praise songs. Blessed be your name, and how great is our God, and what a beautiful name. Darkness tries to hide 
above every title, Lord God, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And in you, Father, subjecting everything underneath Jesus' feet and appointing him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in all ways. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. To honor you, praise you, glorify you, and worship you. We thank you for the gift of life that you sometimes we take it for granted the many things we have. From the air that we breathe to the food you put on our tables, help us be reminded that you are the one who provides each and every day for us. We thank you for your spirit that guides us each and every day. Help us all discover your will for each of our lives. And help us remain obedient in all that we do. Father God, we also pray and ask for your for you to continue to be with the, the ones that are hurting, those that are struggling, and those that are going through difficulties. We ask that you would lift them up and give them healing, strengthening, and guidance where they need it. Only you know exactly what they're going through, and only you know exactly what they need. Help them make you the focus of their lives and not the circumstances that they're going through. Be their source of strength, Lord. Lord, we thank you for First Church. We pray for our pastors, Pastor Joel and Pastor Tory, and all the leaders of this church. Give them guidance, wisdom, and knowledge to make decisions based on your word. 
Your word tells us that it was inspired by you and all of it is truth. So help us as a church continue to provide guidance to others, especially the non-believer. Help us convey the gospel message and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Although we are just a small part of your church, Lord, help us be reminded that we're all important in your eyes. And it takes each of us to work together to shine your light to a lost world. May you continue to move us in the direction you want us to go. Help us not rely on our own understanding, but help us lean on your understanding, Lord. And Lord, we live in a fallen world, a world that has many challenges, a world that seems to get more corrupt and more evil as the days go by. But Lord, we know that ultimately you're the one in control. And you're the one that, in the end, will be victorious. Help us as believers understand that we can rest assured that no matter what goes on in this world that we live in, we too will be victorious. May you continue to provide us with the assurance of this truth. And Lord, we're most thankful for Jesus and the sacrifice that you made by sending him to the cross, allowing the shedding of his blood and allowing his death as a substitute for our sin. This was the ultimate in sacrifices, and we sincerely thank you for that. And thank you for his resurrection and providing us with the free gift of eternal life. Some of us have accepted this gift, Lord, but there are many that have not. So we pray for those that haven't made this decision, that they would accept Jesus today. We pray this in all things. In the beautiful, wonderful, and powerful name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, would the children come forward? Hmm. Morning, guys. How are we doing today? Good. All right. So. How many of you remember when Mr. Metzger was up here last week? You remember? Was Dad a little nervous? Yeah. That's all right. He did a great job. And you know how he talked about how when he was at Bible study and God was nudging him to ask for prayer? Well, guess what? We got home from going out to eat last night. It was 920, and I had this nudge. Maria, you should probably check to see who's doing children's chat tomorrow. (laughs) So I opened up my calendar where I have it all written down. And guess what? It was me. I listened to that nudge. Can you imagine what it would be like right now if I didn't listen to that nudge? I would be in a panic mode. But never fear. I listened to God's nudge that time. Don't always listen to it. But that time I did. And it's. It's, it's a good thing. So, I have a question. What does it mean if something is hollow? What does it mean if something is hollow? Benjamin? It's like a tunnel. It's like a tunnel almost. Okay. Emma, what were you going to say? It's not there, right? Yeah. It's when the inside is open. So, kind of like this water bottle. Could we say this water bottle is hollow because there's nothing in it? Right? Okay. Could we say 
that this egg is hollow because there's nothing in it. Okay. Now I need you to use your imagination for a minute because at 920 last night I was not running out to see if I could find one of these. How many of you have ever seen an eat a chocolate Easter rabbit? Okay. And you go to buy into it and you think it's going to be solid chocolate all the way through it. And you take a bite and what? It's hollow. Is that a disappointment or what? Yeah, that's a disappointment. But you know what? Today, we're going to talk about how we can be hollow. Are you hollow on the inside? We have all of our body parts. We have our organs, our heart, and our lungs, and, and all of that other stuff that's in there that makes us work. But what else is in there? Who else is in there? Jesus. Jesus is in there. And if Jesus is in your heart, is your heart hollow anymore? No, because Jesus is inside of it. Now, is Jesus' heart inside everybody's heart? Well, not really. Why do you say that? Because if you don't believe that God sent Jesus to die on the cross and he is your savior, if Jesus is not in your heart, then your heart is hollow. Now, how do we fix that? How do we fix that? Tell people about Jesus. What if you can't tell them? What if you can't, like, go up to them and talk to them? Very good, Lila. Read the Bible. Yeah. Send a note. Send a note. There you go. Hirsch, what were you going to say? Send a note. Could we maybe just smile at them? Yeah. If you see somebody having a bad day... Maverick, what are you going to do? Shake their hand. I have a better one. If you see somebody in school or at church, give them a hug. You know, that is the best way to fill up somebody's hollow heart, is to give them a hug, to show them that you love them. Hey, yeah, it doesn't take much. And you know what? People love that when little, when anybody, but especially little people like you, when you give them a smile, when you say hi, when you interact with them, you're giving them part of Jesus when you do that. Okay? So we do we want everybody to have a hollow heart? No, we don't. We want everybody to have a heart that's filled with Jesus. All right? In our scripture today, we're going to read about how we have hope because Jesus is in our heart. Our heart isn't hollow anymore. It has Jesus living in it. Okay, and that gives us hope. Even on the worst days, Jesus gives us hope. All right, let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these children. Thank you for their hearts, their hearts of wanting to share you with others. Be with all of us. Help us to share your love with everyone we see and meet, whether it be through a smile or a hug or a kind word. Be with us this week. Help us to be your hands and feet. In your name we pray. Amen. Got all the way up here and realized I forgot something. All right. Uh, before I invite the deacons forward, I just want to remind everyone of the announcements from this morning. Uh, Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday, February 14th. Um, and the service does begin at 7 p.m. So you are all invited. You and your families are invited to come and join us for the Ash Wednesday service. 
Ash Wednesday, of course, is the beginning of Lent, um, which is the season leading up to Easter. And so if you did not pick one up on the way in, we do have some Lenten devotionals for you. This looks familiar. Uh, we did one over Advent called the Christmas Code, and this is one called the Easter Code. Same author, same setup. Uh, we heard a lot of positive feedback from the one from Advent, and so we wanted to follow up with this one for Lent. So if you did not pick up a copy or well, just maybe one for your family or whatever, we have some at the entrances of the church as well as at the church office next door. So please pick one up as you head out. Our offering this morning does support Her Story in Xenia, Ohio. Her Story is one of our newer um, designated offerings that are on the, on the calendar for the year. And there is some information about their ministry in the announcement section in your bulletin. But I just want to highlight uh, the main focus is treatment services for women in substance abuse and recovery. The recovery process at Her Story helps women go from active addiction to active recovery through a faith and evidence-based approach. So your offering, your giving this morning will go to support their ministry in Xenia. Let's pray and thank God for the opportunity to give to this ministry. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to give to Her Story this morning. And we ask, Lord God, that the offering that we collect would bless the work that they do in helping women move from active addiction to active recovery. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This time we invite the deacons to come forward. Shackles and chains And I've been down to the river I ain't the same A prodigal return Shackles and chains, but I've been freed and forgiven. Yes, I have, and I'm not going back. I'll never be the same. That's why I'm singing. All my hope is in Jesus. blood Well there's a kind of thing that breaks a man It breaks him down to his knees God I've been broken more than a time or two Oh yes the Lord and then you pick me up and you show what it means to be a man come on and sing now all my hope is in Jesus oh thank God my yesterday's gone well all my sins are forgiven well I by the blood come on and sing now all my hope 
high I've been washed by the blood Our scripture readings this morning, the first is from 1 Peter 1, 3-5, and that is found on page 1,220 in your pew Bible. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through, the, through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Our second scripture reading comes from 2 Corinthians 4:16 through 18, and that is found on page 1159 in your pew Bible. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Amen. Thanks, Maria. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together again. Father God, you are worthy of all of our praise and honor and glory. And so we gather here this morning to do just that, to lift up your name in everything that we do, from song to prayer and now to the the teaching time. We ask, Lord God, that you would be glorified in it all. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us to understand and apply your word to our lives. And so we pray your spirit would work in us to soften our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Today we are starting, or finishing, I should say, finishing our series here on what it means to be one in Christ. And we've talked a lot about a lot of very different important topics. We've talked about identity. We've talked about beliefs. We've talked about uh, loving our, our neighbor as ourself and, and what it means to worship together. And so today I want to wrap up our conversation about, about being one in Christ with the shared hope that we have in Him. Our hope does bring us together because no matter who we are, no matter where we come from or what we've experienced in this life, our hope is grounded in the promises of God and what Christ has done for us. And so it's the same for me as it is for you, right? Our hope is not in our jobs. Our hope is not in our circumstances. Our hope isn't in how much money we have in the bank account. Our hope ultimately is in Christ and Him crucified. Our hope is in the promises and faithfulness of God. And so our hope in Christ is a, it's a future reality that transforms our lives in the present. And so that's what I want to talk about today. How our hope in Christ, our future hope in Christ, also impacts our lives today. And so we need to start, not, we'll get to those scripture passages that Maria read for us in a moment, but I think it's important for us to define what we mean by hope before we jump into those. And so let me offer up this definition for us. Hope is a confident certainty in the promises of God that are not fully realized yet. Let me say that again. It is a confident certainty in the promises of God that are not fully realized yet. Now let me break that down a little bit more for you. So <clears throat> hope is a confident certainty in the promises of God. 
In other words, hope is from a Christian perspective is not wishful thinking. Now, a few year, a few weeks ago, I disclosed to you my Buffalo Bills fandom, right? I even invited some of you to join in on the bandwagon and root for them in the playoffs. And all of you probably know that that night they went on to lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, right? That hope I have of the Bills winning the Super Bowl didn't happen this year, and it's never happened in my lifetime. And I'm not holding my breath for when it will happen again. And some of you can probably relate to that. You're Cleveland Browns fans, right? You know... <laughs> You know what that's like. In fact, this past week, uh, the NFL held their annual uh, awards. They, they call it the NFL Honors, where they hand out their accolades for the year, MVP, uh, Rookie of the Year, all those things. And the Buffalo Bills, DeMar Hamlin was up for Comeback Player of the Year. And many of you are probably familiar with DeMar Hamlin's story from last year. He was uh, second to last game of the season, I think it was, playing the Cincinnati Bengals. He had sudden cardiac arrest on the field, his heart stopped, and through the, uh, the miracle of, of the, the trainers and the staff that were there to revive him, uh, made a full recovery, made it back to the football field this year, played in several games for the Buffalo Bills. It seemed like a sure lock that he would, of course, win the comeback player of the year. Now, at the award ceremony, the award went to Joe Flacco, who was the Browns quarterback. So somebody on Twitter made a comment that apparently it is more impressive that somebody led the Browns to the playoffs than for DeMar Hamlin to come back from the dead. So I think Browns fans and Bills fans, we can, we can understand uh, what it is to put our hope in a football team. So again, hope is not wishful thinking, right? Hope is the confident certainty in the promises of God. And so it is certain. It's not playing the odds or hedging our bets because our hope is grounded in our faithful God, right? Our hope is grounded in the faithfulness of God and the promises that he makes us. God is faithful. God does not change his mind. He does not lie. He doesn't go back on his word. And so when God says something is true, when he promises something to us, we can be guaranteed that it will happen. And so our hope is based on that, right? It's grounded in his word. It's grounded in, in the promises that he makes. And so if we want to have confident hope and certainty in, in who God is and what he's done for us, then we need to know his word too, right? We need, to, we need to understand his word and understand the promises that he makes us so that we can put our hope in it. It also means that we need to be careful not to put words in God's mouth either. We don't want to claim promises that aren't really there. Prosperity gospel preachers will tell you that God promises to bless you financially and with good health if you just put your trust in Him. And I don't think these preachers must have spent much time reading the book of Job if they believe in that sort of prosperity teaching. And so we need to read God's Word. We need to study it. We need to meditate on it. And when we do so, we'll be grounding ourselves in this sure and certain hope that God provides because we trust and believe that he is faithful to his word. So then we need to look at the other half of this definition then too. Hope is a confident certainty in the promises of God, but it's a hope that is not fully realized yet. Now I say fully because we experience it in part and we'll get to that in just a moment, but we need to understand that hope is hope and by nature, it is forward thinking, right? It is forward focused. We don't hope for things in the past. We don't hope for things that we already have, but we hope for things that are yet to come. And so hope by its very nature is forward focused. Now think of how the author of Hebrews describes faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1, and he ties it into this idea of hope. He says, now faith is confidence and thee. Notice what the author of Hebrews is saying there. He says, faith and hope are tied together because they are confidence and assurance of things that we don't have yet. We can be certain that we will one day have them, but we do not, uh, uh, we do not have them yet. And yet, this hope we have, this future hope, does impact the way that we live our lives today. And as Peter describes it in our passage from 1 Peter chapter 1. He says our hope is a living hope. 
And I think that's such a perfect word to describe the hope that we have. It's living because it impacts our lives today. It's not some, uh, some, some promise that is, is collecting dust on a shelf somewhere that one day we'll get to experience. It is a hope that impacts our lives today. It transforms our perspective and, and who we are as a person. It transforms our outlook on life. And so in that sense, our hope is living. Our hope is also living because it's grounded in the fact that we worship a living Savior. Right? Our, our hope is living because Jesus Christ himself is alive today. And our hope is grounded in the reality of the resurrection. Right? Again, look at First Peter with me. If you have your Bibles open to that passage, note that he says that this living hope is based on He says he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right? So it's the resurrection of Jesus that grounds us. And it's the resurrection of Jesus that gives us hope. You see, there's something important. There's something significant that happens with the resurrection. I've mentioned this a couple times during this series of how important the resurrection is. It's the linchpin that holds our faith together. It's, it's the turning point of history, right? It's, it's, it's where our faith has been uh, validated, if you can say it, put it that way. But when we think of the resurrection, it's also this future hope that God has promised us breaking through into the present. Scripture describes Jesus' resurrection as the first fruits of what is to come. Right? We have been promised eternal life in Christ. God promises us that one day we will rise from the grave and we will experience in Christ, we will experience eternal life in Him. And so with Jesus' resurrection, it's like that future promise is breaking through into the present. We get a glimpse of what it will be like for all who are in Christ when He returns. And so this resurrection is, is that future promise breaking through into the present. His resurrection is the guarantee of our future hope. In Romans 4.25, Paul reminds us, he's talking about Abraham's faith and how, how when Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. And he ends the chapter by, by speaking of Jesus in his death and resurrection. He said, Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for justification. So Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, but it's his resurrection that justifies us, that guarantees our right standing before God. I was listening to a sermon this week and the, the, the pastor used an illustration uh, about about the resurrection that I think is really helpful. He said it's like the receipt we receive when we pay, make a payment at the store. Imagine you go into a, go into Walmart or Kroger or whatnot and you, you get what you want, you go up to the register and you pay for it. And then you remember, okay, I gotta go back in, I forgot to get something. So you take your, your purchase, you have the receipt and you carry that back into the store with you. Now somebody may stop you and say, all right, why are you carrying around these things? Did you pay for them? And that receipt is proof of purchase, right? The receipt proves that you have paid for those items and they rightfully belong to you. In the same way, the resurrection is like the receipt that our sins have been paid for. That when somebody, when, when the enemy whispers in her ear, God hasn't forgiven you. When, when the enemy gets us to doubt our salvation and we are filled with uncertainty, the resurrection is the receipt that our sins have been paid for, that they have been paid for in full, and we no longer have to fear the punishment for sin. The resurrection is the receipt of our future hope of our salvation. I mentioned that our Hope is not just for the future, but it impacts our lives today. So I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to talk about how this living hope impacts our lives today and in the life to come. And so we, we understand that hope is also, the, this future hope impacts our present reality because it is a living hope. 
And the first thing to notice here is he says that it is a new birth we've been given. And so this living hope means that we are a new person in Christ. We've been given new life, new spiritual life, new eternal life in Christ. Elsewhere uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is, a new Christ, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So this hope we have in Christ, this faith we put in him, it transforms us now from the inside out. We've been transferred from death because of our sin to new life in Christ because of his death and resurrection. And that does change us. Scripture says we are a new creation. We've been changed. We're physically the same, but spiritually we are made new. We are given new life. Scripture uses this idea of life, new life over and over again, using different terms. It talks about being born again, being given a new birth, being a new creation. These different terms all point to the same truth, that those that are in Christ, that have put their faith in Him, are made new and have been given new and spiritual life. And so this living hope means that we are a new person and our life, our lives are now hidden in Christ. See, that's where our hope lies. When, when the Father looks at us, He doesn't see our sin because our sin has been covered up. It's been atoned for. When the Father looks at us, He sees the perfect righteousness of Christ because our lives are now hidden in Him. That is our living hope. But we're not just a new person. He's also given us a new perspective. And this is where I want you to, uh, if you're following along in your Bibles, let's flip over to that other passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That when we think about this hope we have in Him, when we think about all that He's done for us, it gives us a new perspective to look at our circumstances. So again, 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 says, Therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes on not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul here is speaking to Christians who are who are experiencing suffering, who are experiencing hardship and persecution. And he says, we don't lose heart, right? We're not discouraged because we are focusing on what is really important. God has given us a new perspective in Christ. Notice these two perspectives. He, he alternates back and forth, but, but let me single them out for you. One perspective on one side is merely, it focuses on what is seen and what is temporary. The other perspective focuses on what is inward, on what is being renewed day by day. It focuses on the eternal glory that God promises to all who are in Christ. It focuses on what is unseen because what is unseen is eternal. Now, which one of those two perspectives do you think leads to uh, discouragement and which one of those two perspectives leads to a hope that can withstand whatever circumstances you're facing? Right? I want to have the perspective that Paul is talking about here where he's focusing on what is eternal, what is inward, what is, what is being renewed day by day. See, that's what hope does for us. That's what, not false hope, but that's what hope in Christ does for us, is it gives us a new perspective to look at our circumstances. We need to remind ourselves that following Christ does not mean that everything is going to turn out the way that we expect. Paul was writing to people that were experiencing some very real hardship. But he's helping them to see their hardship in light of Christ, in light of the hope that we have in Him. There's something greater and more important than the outward appearances that they're going through, the outward circumstances that they're facing. Hope is an inward strength that is being constantly renewed. It's an ongoing inner transformation because of His mercies are new each morning. Hope leads to an eternal glory that far outweighs our temporary problems. Now this is an important part here because this is the part that, that quite honestly is difficult to overcome. 
But we need to remind ourselves that this life is just a blip on the radar in light of eternity. Everything seems like a big deal when you're right in the middle of it, right? Everything seems like a, a mountain that must be overcome when you're, when you're facing a challenge. That's why we need a new perspective. That's why we need to see things in light of eternity. We'll recognize that our worst problems are, in fact, temporary. And the same is the opposite is true as well. We need to remember that even our best days in this life will pale in comparison to the glory and the hope that we will experience in heaven. Hope is invisible. It's intangible. It's, it's something that cannot be seen or measured. And yet it is more real than the circumstances we face. And hope is eternal and everlasting. It cannot be taken away. Our living hope in Christ gives, is, makes us a new person. It gives us a new perspective. It also fills us with a new purpose. That if these things are true, if everything I've said so far today is true, then it, then it forces us to rethink how we live in this world. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.33, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So this new purpose we have... <clears throat> is to glorify God, to put Him first in everything we do. You see, if our hope is just in things of this world, then we're going to be preoccupied with the things of this world. But if our hope is in heaven, if our hope is in is this future hope in Christ, then we should be preoccupied with the things of heaven, with the things that will honor God and please Him, not just for the here and now. And so we have been given a new purpose Everyone is called to love God, to love our neighbor, and to make disciples. And how we do that in our lives may change or may, may vary. But that is our purpose if our hope really is in Christ. Now, I've talked so far today about how our, our hope impacts our lives here, to, here and now. But we must also recognize that we don't fully experience this eternal life until we go to be with the Lord. That's why Peter goes on to say that our hope is like an inheritance that we will one day receive. That's the thing about inheritances, right? We don't get to experience them right now, but they are received at a later point. He says our inheritance is two things. He says it's permanent and it's protected. So this inheritance that we will receive one day in Christ when we go to be with Him, is permanent. It does not spoil or perish or fade. See, everything in this life has an expiration date, doesn't it? Yes, our suffering has an expiration date, but so do the good things that we experience. Nothing in this life lasts forever. It's encouraging to know that our hardships will not last forever. It's sobering to remember that even the good times won't last. But we must keep our focus on this inheritance, on this Hope. Our best days in this life are nothing compared to what we have to look forward to. And that's what we hold on to. Our inheritance, our salvation, is never going to go bad. It's permanent. It's eternal. Heaven is an unending existence, but it's never going to get boring or old. God is infinite. We're never going to run out of of new things to learn about Him, or we're never going to get bored with His glory or His majesty. It reminds me of when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness for those 40 years. Scripture reminds us over and over again in passages like Deuteronomy 8 and Nehemiah 9 that during their wanderings for those 40 years, they never ran out of food because, or water because God supplied it each and every day. Their clothes and their sandals never wore out because God provided for them and sustained them. And if God is able to do that for 40 years for the Israelites in the wilderness, think about how He's able to sustain us in our lives now, but even more so, we're never gonna, we're never gonna run out. His, our inheritance is never gonna spoil or fade either. Our inheritance is permanent. But it's also, it's permanent because it's protected. It's being shielded by God's power. Peter reminds us that, that our, through faith, our inheritance is being protected, being shielded 
by God's power until we come into our inheritance one day. No one and nothing can snatch you from the Lord's hand. The stock market may fail, but God does not. In the story of the prodigal son, this younger son asked for his inheritance early, which is a big no-no. It was basically wishing your father was dead. But surprisingly, the father allows it to happen. He gives his son the inheritance early and the son goes off and blows it all, wastes it all while living. And when he finally comes to his senses, he thinks, okay, I, I can go back to my father's house, but I got to earn my keep. I got to live as a servant and, and at least then I'll be provided for. But when he comes home, the father rushes out to embrace him. He wraps him in a robe. He gives him a kiss. He throws a big party and he welcomes back him back into the family, not as a servant, but as a son. You see, the son thought he had blown it all. He thought there was no inheritance left. What he was amazed to see is that the inheritance was protected by the father. The son, the son thought he ruined everything, but it was the father's love that welcomed him home. And there was more than enough compassion and love and grace for him. We think we've blown it. We think there's... We've, we've made a mess of things, but it is God who sustains us and protects our inheritance. Left to our own devices, we would, scru- we would squander our inheritance. We would spend it all with nothing left. But God's power shields us and protects us. It guarantees our salvation. And so I want to leave you with this. In a world full of uncertainty, give your life to the one thing that is certain. Our hope is grounded in the faithfulness of God. And don't put your hope in anything else. That can be wiped out in an instant. And you're definitely not taking it with you when you go. Don't put your hope in one political party or another. It's an election year, which means the news cycle will be full of doom and gloom for the next nine months. This world is important, but remember, we don't worship the donkey or the elephant. We worship the lamb. And no matter what happens in November, Christ will still be king. Our hope is in the kingdom of God and not the kingdoms of this world. And whatever you do, please don't put your hope in the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. Because it's just not going to happen. I don't wish that misery on anyone. You see, we have a habit of building our hope on things that do not last and things that cannot save. And so church, through Christ, you are given a new life and a living hope. There is an inheritance waiting for you in heaven that cannot be taken away. And so remember that the eternal glory waiting for us far outweighs the light and momentary pains that we face in this world. Keep your focus on Christ and do not lose hope. See, Peter starts his passage with praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his great mercy that this is possible. I save that for the end because it's important to remember that that is where our hope lies. It's in the mercy of God. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. By nature, we're all deserving of wrath, but in his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, an inheritance is something that's payable on death. Normally, it's the death of a a parent or grandparent, right? And in this case, this inheritance is payable on the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's received in full upon our own death. But it's an inheritance that we must receive and accept for ourselves. So I encourage you this day to put your faith in Christ. Know that these promises, this hope can be certain for you when you give your life to him as Savior and Lord. Maria mentioned how we are hollow without Christ. That's such a great illustration. In Philippians 2 Philippians 2 talks about how Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather he emptied himself. He became nothing, became obedient even to the point of death on the cross for our salvation. You see, we are hollow and we need to be filled with the love of God. And so in order to do that, Jesus emptied himself so that we may be filled. Jesus went to the cross and died so that we may live. And Jesus rose again. It's his resurrection that guarantees us eternal life. So I encourage you to put your hope in him today. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a light for our path, a lamp for our path and a light for our feet. I pray that everyone here today would know and experience this hope that we're talking about. It's found only in you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing our closing song together. If anybody would like prayer or to be prayed for, I'll be up front during the closing song. you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.